the Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Well, the time's just gone 19 minutes past five. Welcome to the Afternoon Overdrive on 11.9 Chai FM. I'm Michael McKenna. Joining us on the line this afternoon, our correspondent from Israel, Anthony Reich. Anthony, good afternoon to you. Thanks for joining us and uh, everything of the best for 2024. Uh, and the same to you and the listeners out there. Let's hope that 2024 will be much better than 2023 was, right? Indeed, right, indeed, Anthony, indeed. We can only hope for the best and everything of the best and blessings to everyone. Today being day 90 of Operation Swords of Iron. Let's uh, begin with our first question, Anthony. What are the latest reports from uh, the battlefield in Gaza today? So there have been a few interesting things coming out of Gaza just during the course of today. Um, the first interesting thing is that um, there is a um, um, there is a, a current report, which is a, still a developing report, about the fact that the IDF has apparently managed to find one of the top uh, operators, one of the top leaders of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and has actually managed to kill uh, this individual, uh, Mamdou Lola. He is. Um, one of the main planners and instigators of operations uh, by the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, who of course were very much involved in the activities in that massacre on October the 7th. We understand that this is ongoing in Khan Yunus. And just related to Khan Yunus, what's quite interesting for me about Khan Yunus is that another comment that has been made about Khan Yunus is that even though the IDF has been operating in Khan Yunus already for some weeks, trying to dismantle Hamas infrastructure, terror infrastructure in that area. There are some estimations that um, the work in Khan Yunus to dismantle all the infrastructure there is still going to take some time, possibly Mm. even months um, or even longer until all of that um, is finally taken care of. The other interesting thing coming out of Gaza today relates to the Al-Ma'azi refugee camp which is located on the, in the central part of Gaza, sort of on the eastern side towards the eastern border um, with Israel. And um, apparently for the first time during the current war operations, the IDF has reached the Al-Ma'azi refugee camp. Um, and um, the reports from Palestinian sources have said that Israeli tanks have gathered at the entrance to the Al-Ma'azi refugee camp and that um, residents of that camp have been advised to leave and to potentially um, go further south. There are some conflicting reports coming from the field to suggest that some of those uh, civilians might well be caught up without anywhere to go, given that the Israeli tanks apparently have come to the northern entrance of the refugee camp and there seems to be no way out on the southern side. The southern direction is, of course, where the uh, refugees have been advised to move towards the Rafah um, area, which is towards the south of Gaza. So um, that those are the current um, sort of updates from in the field today in Gaza. Uh, and if anybody had any uh, misconception about um, what is always not going on in Gaza, because there have been a number of statements by the IDF saying that there will be some withdrawals and that some of the forces will be drawn back and that potentially moving forward, there will be fewer IDF soldiers in Gaza than there have been over the past few weeks. So um, the message coming out from the field is that activities are just as intense as they have been up until now and that there is really no end in sight Mm. at the moment to the work that needs to be done in Gaza. So significant and so substantial 
is the Hamas infrastructure that has been found by the IDF troops who are now operating in Gaza. And of course, let's just bear in mind that IDF troops are operating under very, very dangerous conditions. Um, the conditions in Gaza are not uh, convenient and comfortable and certainly not safe for IDF soldiers at all. Um, and um, there are some um, very, very um, interesting reports about how the IDF soldiers are managing to survive under those circumstances. Right. And in particular, how high the morale is. Message coming yeah. out from the front is that now is not the time to stop under any circumstances. Keep going, keep pushing. Um, but um, work in Khan Yunus is going on. It might take another month or two, they say. And there is work to be done further south as well in, in Gaza. And of course, that comes a day after the IDF dismantled the 250-meter section of the tunnel that goes underneath the Shifa hospital. Um, and the explosion was clearly plain to see from drone footage that was taken from above the area. And what was, you could see the explosion from underground uh, as this 250 meter section of tunnel was destroyed underneath the Shifa hospital. And interestingly, no damage to the hospital itself, nor to any of the, the, the um, buildings around that area. That was all somehow preserved, even though the tunnel below was apparently, according to reports, uh, destroyed and we could really see the explosion that took place. Anthony, um, staying on the battlefront, has there been any further information regarding the assassination of Salah al-Aruri, the second in, Hamas's second-in-command in Beirut? Yeah, so this was, of course, an assassination that took place the day before yesterday. Um, and there has been um, a lot that has come out in the days since his assassination. Mm -hmm. And we understand that his funeral took place today in Beirut. It's not clear whether he will actually be buried in Beirut or whether there are plans to potentially bring his body elsewhere. He was someone who was very, very closely associated with the former leader of the Iranian uh, Revolutionary Guard called Qasem Soleimani. Um, the, these people were very closely associated. And of course, Al-Aruri is considered to be one of the main architects of the October the 7th massacre. Um, what we understand coming out of uh, Beirut is that apparently it wasn't a drone that was used to assassinate Al-Aruri, but indeed it was apparently six missiles that were fired from an aircraft. And in all the reports that I've seen, of course, the reference is made to an Israeli fighter jet that report that fired and B-6 missiles, even though Israel has not formally taken responsibility. But all indications clearly are that um, it was Israel that was involved. And in fact, those people have examined the missiles, six of them apparently each weighing 100 kilograms each, six of these missiles, and apparently not even all of them exploded upon impact. That's the latest coming out of Beirut. Um, but according to those people who've had the opportunity to examine these missiles in the Dahia quarter in the southern suburbs of Beirut have said that these are definitely missiles that were fired by an Israeli aircraft. And so whereas we originally were being told that this was a drone that did the work and one might expect in an area such as the suburb of Beirut that it might more likely be a drone rather than an mm -hmm. aircraft. But apparently that was not the case at all. And it all really goes to show how accurately 
these missiles weighing 100 kilograms each can be fired from an aircraft so high above in the sky and still hit mm. precisely the target, the place where El Aruri was, uh, was located alongside with a number of other Hamas leaders, all of whom were killed during that particular attack the day before yesterday. Anthony, let, let's leave the battlefront for now and let's look at what lies behind the immigration of more than 3,000 Jews coming to live in Israel during the wartime. Tell us more. Yeah, so this is a sort of a fascinating story because one wouldn't necessarily associate wartime with a logical moment for Jews from outside the world to make Aliyah, to come and make their lives in Israel. And yet, since October the 7th, we're told that more, th more than 3,000 new Olim, new immigrants, have arrived in Israel, and some of them even wanting to enlist in the IDF, even wow. during this wartime. And so this is really a major decision that some people are making. And, and in addition to that, by the way, we are also being told that something like 500 French Jewish families have, an att have attended a fair in Paris, which was set up in order to give information about the possibility of um, people being uh, uh, emigrating to Israel to make their lives here. And I think that there are really two conflicting uh, stories going on here. First of all, the one conflicting story is, of course, the war itself. And the fact that people might not necessarily be inclined to come and live in Israel exactly during wartime, it seems to be um, a, not a very um, encouraging situation to, 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 to bring yourself to when the, there is this war going on. But I think the other conflicting story and a very significant one is, of course, the massive increase of anti-Semitism around the world and that many Jews have decided, in spite of the war that's going on in Israel, that they would prefer to make their lives in Israel, even under the current circumstances, than to endure the massive uptick and increase in anti-Semitism that so many Jews are experiencing outside of Israel. And we've seen that on college campuses around the United States. We've seen it at government national levels with the South African government. And now, of course, the Turkish government signing up to the case that's been brought to the International Court of Justice, um, accusing Israel of genocide, and, and so many other instances of anti-Semitism, uh, pro-Hamas support. We see it at the United Nations. We see it all over the place. And that apparently is a massive driving factor to push Jews who may well have been considering their future in Israel potentially anyway to jump up and choose right. this moment to mm. uh, come to Israel. So, um, you know, the Israeli government and, of course, all the agencies involved would say to Jews around the world, you are welcome. Israel is the Jewish state, and if that's where you wish to make your future, then we would be delighted to have you. Um, and it all goes to show that even in these very, very tough times, that flow of Jews from around the world hasn't stopped. And indeed, it even looks like it might have been a little more than a similar period um, in previous years. Anthony, we're going to have to leave it there. Certainly an interesting turn of events. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon to bring us the uh, latest from what's happening in Israel. Anthony Reich, our correspondent from Israel, telling us about what's transpired in Israel today.